many of you have ever heard this phrase and wondered about it in your heart? The priesthood of all believers. You ever heard that phrase and been sort of put off on it? That's a hard task. I'm not sure if I'm cut out for that. Has that ever gone through any of your minds? Yes. Okay, I've heard that. Good, because we use all sorts of ways to explain what the priesthood is. We use terms like the ambassador for God or the ambassadors or the mediators. And, and But sometimes when we look at the lives of Christians, we start to think of intermittent rather than mediator or intermediate. Intermittent as in sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Or perhaps we think or are seen as indeterminate, like we haven't really chosen. People often wonder if we've chosen to follow and to serve in that role instead of to be the intermediate. That's what I'm going to use today. The intermediate, the halfway point between the world, as John's gospel talks about it, which is the world organizing itself in opposition to God. We've been praying about that today and about how to minister to them and God. And how do you become intermediate between those? How do you get halfway in between those? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start off in Genesis 12, 2. Genesis 12, 2 is the call of Abraham. And I'm going to read that to you in just one second as soon as it comes up here. So this is, uh, I got Deuteronomy 7 here. So. <laughs> Turn the page. Genesis 12, 2 is the story of Abraham's call. And he's called out from his own people. And God says, leave them. And I'm going to go take you to a place where I show you. And I'm going to bless you to be a blessing amongst the nations. Genesis 12, 2, Dave's translation. <laughs> but in Deuteronomy 7... When the people start to get a thought about who they might be, God reminds them that he did not set his heart upon them because they were more numerous than other nations, or the, but rather that they were the smallest of all nations. Matter of fact, they were so small, they were Abraham and Sarah and their servants. There was no tribe, there were no kids, there was no, there was no, there was no children of Abraham. At this time, and God set his his blessing upon them. Can you think of four or five ways that God has blessed you in your life? I just need you to take two seconds here. Can you think of four or five ways other than the sunshine today? <laughs> when it called for rain. Rain when we need it. That's rain when we need it. But the rain comes and the sunshine comes and it doesn't just fall the rain when we need it and the sunshine when we need it only on the good people. You might have noticed that, that it happens for everybody and that God is blessing. And this is how this works. I'm going to, to share just a little bit that that when God pours out his blessings, it's so people will see him blessing them and they will be called or wooed into a relationship with him. Once called into the relationship with him, they're not just wooed into that relationship to have the relationship. 
So if you know what I'm talking about, if we stop right there, we become Q potatoes or fat, the fat cells in the body of Christ. The people that don't do anything. But we're called into that relationship. And with that relationship comes a variety of blessings. The first one is, is all the things we've done. Me, all the things I've done. For Abraham, all the things that Abraham had done are forgiven. Now, forgiveness is not just God said, it's okay, forget about it. Instead, forgiveness is God setting aside the pain of separation and restoring to the previous position that you had before the fall, before the transgression. So that's just part of it. But that that would be enough for many of us, but it's not enough for God, that God then puts his spirit in upon us. And when his spirit comes into us, the spirit doesn't just come and sit there and do nothing. It brings gift, gifts into our lives. As, uh, as Psalm 68 says, and Paul then misquotes it later, but Psalm 68 says that the captives come up to the mountaintop and give gifts to the Lord. But, so, but Paul requotes that in Ephesians 4, 8 to say, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to the people. Have you ever had gifts? Do you have any gifts in your life? Is there anything that you do that you never expected you'd be ever able to do? I'm up here, so I have that one. <laughs> but I have some other things. It's part of how God showed me who he was is that he started to show me that I could even do the things I was good at without his presence in my life. Not to mention the stuff that I wasn't any good at. But even, even the gifting and the equipping that came with him and this blessing and the spirit that comes into us brings gifts. Now, you can go and you can look up lists in your Bible and find out what the gifts of the spirit are. But I'm going to tell you today how they're used. First of all, though, we need to think one thought. We're going to sit with Abraham for a second as he hears I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. As he hears that from God, if you'll stand with him for a second, I want you to ask yourself a question. What makes me so special that he would call me? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? Why me, God? Why did you call me? Why did you love me? And aside from the fact that he made each of us special, each and every one of his people, by the way, he made all the people, but his people, he made all people special. And he doesn't ask much. He asks that you would accept the gift of salvation and the gift of forgiveness and the gift of restoration. And then he's going to pour gifts in you that he's going to bless you to be a blessing. The Jews, the Jews kind of got off track at some points, just like we do. I don't want you to give them a bad rap and I don't want you to be mean to them or anything like that. Look, if you are a father, if you have a father for Abraham, if Abraham is your father, as they're arguing in Matthew 5, I'm going to bring that one up. 
This is in Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting like true children of your father in heaven. Now, it seems to me that if we get afraid of the language of priesthood of all believers, the thing that we're missing is, is that the adopted children of God become the priests. The biblical idea is, here he goes, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father is perfect. This is the priesthood of all believers that God is talking about, specifically adoption into the family of God. That's one of the languages that people use in the Bible for the priesthood of all believers, that they become part of the family of faith. Adopted children of God and the Jews' favorite, the children of Abraham. But when Abraham was blessed to be a blessing, there were no children of Abraham. It's really easy for the children of Abraham to forget, though, that people do the will of their father. That is a biblical axiom. Jesus actually holds some people's feet to the fire with that thing. He says, you're not children of Abraham. You have the devil for your father because you do everything he wills. And they would say, we've, we've got Abraham for our father. You're the son of something else. And he says, no. I and the Father are one. In many places, he uses this language. True children of Abraham do what they see their father doing. The intermediary, the intermediate spot between God and somebody else is to see God working in your own life and start to do that in somebody else's life. It's not that hard until you try to do it. Until you try to love somebody who's been mean to you. Until you try to do right by somebody who just continually does wrong to you. But this is the position you were in. That's why we sit with Abraham when we say, why did you choose me, God? I needed you to do that for a second. Why did you choose me? Why did you pour these blessings these five or six things that I can think of at the tip of my fingers of how you've blessed me. Why did you give me those things? Why do I have enough food on my table when there are people that don't? Why do I have enough gas for my car to move around when people don't have a way to move around? What are the blessings that have been poured into your life in the way that they were poured into Abraham? Now, the main blessing that Abraham got was not riches, but adoption into the family of God. And his, through his offspring, all the nations would be blessed. That's Jesus. 
Now, when we accept Jesus and we come to him, we begin to be, be changed and transformed into him. We follow Jesus because everything Jesus does, he sees the father doing. He only does what he sees the father doing. When we see Jesus doing it, it's time for us as priesthood, as the children of God, the children of Abraham, the kingdom of God, the family of faith, however you want to do it, to see God at work and join him in that work. Not to be intermittent, not to do it to some and not to others. That's the point of the Matthew text. I'm only going to do it for the people that I like, only the people I think deserve it. By that standard, I wouldn't be here. Somebody only picked what they thought was the good soil. And if you'll look into your lives, you'll recognize that God, 1 Corinthians 1.27 says that he didn't choose the wise, but the foolish to shame the wisdom of the world. So how does this work? How is it that I might be chosen, that I might have heard his word, that I might have been blessed? How is it that you might have been chosen? You might have heard and that you might have been blessed. But the loving hand of God reaches out and snatches us from the fire, Zechariah chapter 3. Are we not sticks snatched from the fire in order to be the God's, God's representatives, the mediator, the intermediate, not intermittently, not only to the people we like, but to everybody near us. Not indeterminately so that people can't tell who we serve or not, I feel sometimes that I, I need to go at, to war with, with a thought process in our world today, and that's this, that, that we quote St. Francis as saying, share the gospel at all times, use words at necess if necessary, but our world says, that doesn't mean you have to talk about it, that just do good things. But if you know St. Francis, and if you've read St. Francis, he would have never, ever thought that your actions don't need explanations. That the keystone, that the, the, the Rosetta stone of faith is that we would do good things and speak about the things we're doing as blessings from God and blessings for somebody else, that the blessings that come to us are on their way to the people nearby us that we don't get to hoard them, but we have to explain them and talk about them. Why? Because nobody knows anything about God unless God is explained. Don't get it in your own self. It needs explanation. Not just a, a lighthouse. It is a lighthouse, but not just a lighthouse. The priesthood of all believers is the little plaque on the lighthouse saying why it's there and the lighthouse. So it's not enough to just say the words of God and explain what you're not doing, but it's not enough to just do it and not explain it. It takes both.
How do the gifts work in our lives? How do these blessings that God pours into our lives work? The Bible doesn't give us litmus tests specifically for how each and every one of them works, but I will tell you in my experience, one thing unites all the gifts of God in his believers when they're working. They tear down walls and build bridges. You might have the gift of administration. You might have the gift of of tongues, you might have the gift of prophecy, you might have the gift of works, you might have all of those, but if you're building walls in your community with them to keep people out, that is not how it's supposed to be. I heard a story once about a woman who said she had the gift of discernment and used it as a club to make sure everybody else stayed in line. That is not how the gift of discernment works. That's how the, the world uses language to make things happen. True gifts of discernment within our lives or true gifts of praise or true always tear down the walls between broken relationships and build bridges into those relationships. All the gifts of God are designed to do that. They're all blessings to bless those near you and you. I'm feeling like I'm nearing the end of my moment with you. But I want to say one more thing about the priesthood of all believers and the family of God, the children of Abraham, which you are if you've met him and come into relationship with him. Abraham's children always do what they see Abraham doing. Otherwise, they're not his kids. The children of God always do what they see God doing. Otherwise, they're not his kids. This is a deep and hard call for us as we come into our community and into our culture, which is post-Christian. If you look at the way our government runs, most of our government says, oh, you can't be that Christian leader in there anymore. I'm just telling you that that's okay. God always continues to work until his job is done and he will bless in order to be a blessing within the community, even if there's groups in the community that don't want it. The good news is there's strength to stand. There's strength to work behind the scenes. There's strength to work in front of the scenes. There's strength to work always in God. But one other thing that always needs to happen in there is that you're not giving because you're forced to give. You're not a priest of the Aaronic Code, which had all these proscriptions of how it must be done. You're following the priesthood that Jesus did, the Melchizedek one, where where we follow because the joy bubbles up in our hearts. That we give because we, we, we can't do anything else. We just love it. So if you're in a spot where you feel like you've been giving because you had to, I invite you to ask God to transform that spot in your life so that it is a place of pure joy. 
that it's a place of strengthening for you, that it's a place that along the journey, you can find the hope and the blessings even in the struggles of giving. Because there will be struggles of giving in your life. We plan this service today to talk about sharing our gifts. And I felt like I needed to talk a little bit about why we share our gifts. Because we're children of God, we're in the family of faith. But how do we do it? There's so many ways. There's as many ways to share your faith as there are people in this group. As God works custom through you, 